Hello, and welcome to the Digital Workspace Works podcast. I'm Ryan Purvis, your host, supported by our producer Heather Bicknell. In this series, you'll hear stories and opinions from experts in the field, stories from the front lines, the problems they face and how they solve them, the areas they're focused on from technology, people and processes, to the approaches they took that will help you to get to the scripts for the digital workspace inner workings. Welcome, Jana, to the Digital Workspace Works podcast. Do you want to tell us a bit about yourself? Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, I'm Joanna Auburn, one of the founders at Trace. Trace is a platform to help SMEs on their journey to net zero. So we measure and manage your emissions and importantly, engage your staff in the process so that you can harness them to actually achieve your targets. Okay. And, and talk me through the platform itself. I mean, what what is... I mean, day one, what does an SME do, day, or day zero even before they're on the platform, and then sort of day one to whatever, 90 days, what would happen? Yes, so there's a, I guess the initial process is the data collection. In order for us to measure the baseline emissions of your organisation, we need some data about what you do and how you do it. So we've got a really intuitive platform where you can input that data that makes it really easy, basically. If you've got the available information, you can do it within an hour, less than. After we've got the information that we need, we then go away and build that emissions profile. We have a model that allows us to do that very efficiently. Um, And if you do have gaps in your data, which is very prevalent in the SME community, so things like being in a co-working space, you don't have bills for your energy. We Mm. have models that allow us to estimate your energy consumption based on meter squared, number of desks, things like that, um, to help you fill those gaps where you might think otherwise that it's not accessible or attainable for you as an SME to go on that journey. We've built models to enable that to happen. We then come back to you with a breakdown of your emissions so you can really see what activity in your organization is driving emissions. That gives you the tools to then make decisions internally and a plan using our reduction initiatives and actions and content to prioritise where you spend time to reduce that footprint. It's an annual cycle at the moment that that may and likely will change. Um, And we, I guess, separately, we, we manage a portfolio of certified carbon credits so that if you'd like to, you can immediately compensate for that footprint through official carbon credit system we procure and retire on your behalf and then play that back to you with stories and assets so that as a company you can talk about that firsthand as a project that you're investing in that then allows you to say that you're kind of officially carbon neutral if you compensate for at least 100 percent of the measured emissions of your organization for a year okay so if i if i give you my example my head as you're speaking uh, I worked with an organization. We took out of, uh, they had a floor at, at the WeWork um, in London. Uh, yeah. I don't know how many desks. Let's say, let's say 45 desks. Um, yeah. They would come onto your screen. They would in- input this information, 45 screen, uh, 45 desks, uh, X number of staff, because it might be hot desking. Um, they will have their, their WeWork bill, which would be whatever it is. And you have a, you have a way of, filling in the gaps to 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 complete the numbers and you would say okay your your carbon bill at the moment is what 600 units let's say per year just to put a number now you would give them a plan or, or options they could take to 
to reduce that, which could mean cutting desks, it could mean not printing, it could mean uh, what, whatever is in their control. Because I think you know when you're in a shared working space, you have very little control um, on some things, um, and then they can also they can also buy credits from you. So so if they if they had six hundred and they bought a hundred to bring it down to five hundred, and then their plan was to reduce their footprint by a hundred. Um, the next year they may be down to 500 because they stopped printing in color and only print black and white. Then the next year they might buy another hundred, but they're already down to 500 and it takes them five years to get down to zero. Uh, and you're going to measure that, give them a report. Um, is that, is that then an sort of an official audited sort of report? Like this, this is an association and they can use part and, and then you, I guess you were saying they can use this part of their sales collateral and, and the materials. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, our model has been um, externally verified and we're using international methodologies that align to government programs or something called the GHG protocol. And we give you badging and things like that so that you can embed that on your site and tell your story. Uh, yeah. That is a, is a big part of it for us because I think the influence and I guess impact that you can have by telling your story and encouraging others to start that journey. Um, just to give you like another kind of insight into the methodology and that calculation mm. piece for that work, that um, WeWork example, there's kind of two other areas I'd call out that add a bit of complexity to that, that we help cover for you. One is what we refer to scope three emissions, which is often something that businesses don't realise is a really high proportion of their carbon footprint often up to about 75% of a footprint, and it really is around 60 to 70% for an SME. For the reasons you've just described, it's a fairly simple footprint. They probably don't do a lot of like flying around the world. They're a simple company. They work in a co-working space. Um, but 60 to 70% of their emissions will actually lie in the suppliers that they spend money on. That is under your control. And so who you choose to spend money with then creates a behavior internally. And there's a lot of action that you can take in who you spend and use for your suppliers internally, right from catering through to software services, um, etc. So that's a big part as well that we analyze um, as a part of the assessment. And we um, require that we include it to, uh, for you to be able to say you're carbon neutral. The other part, which is the more fun part, um, is staff are often working from home now. Yeah. Um, and that is often missed out of these sort of assessments. We have a process that engages staff in this from the very beginning, and it's actually a, a personal carbon footprint survey. You get a character at the end, like a fun character, so people can share and start that conversation. You calculate your personal footprint as an individual, and along that, I guess, quiz, we take data from you that allows us to segment exactly what part of your personal footprint is attributed to work. That allows us to then use that to power the company footprint, which is a fairly unique way of doing it at the moment. Um, and it, I personally think it's really important because most people are working from home all the time, like you're probably at home right now. Yeah. And the energy you're using is actually, it is influencing your company's footprint and what emissions are being produced in the world now. So the, the bound of influence of a company has changed. Mm. Um, and that's something that we're working on. And how can we activate that workforce to um, help influence at home as well? Yeah, I must admit, while you were saying that, I actually never, had never even thought about what our personal footprint was. 
Yeah, we do the usual things. We recycle. We've got solar panels. We, yeah, of course. You know, we're we're exploring electric vehicles at the moment, but we never we don't have a number to to work off. So you don't know. You actually don't know if you improve it if it's going to make a difference or not. So it's actually an interesting yeah. interesting angle. I mean, if two questions uh, and and one I'll ask just just because I want to understand. I mean, what is your typical um, time span for someone to reduce their footprint once they engage you as a service? Yeah, good question. There are leave, there is there are, is low hanging fruit that a company can act on immediately, which will make an impact to their footprint. What's challenging is if a company grows, which is why net zero is so incredibly hard to reach because mm. net zero means even with growth, like even if you double your workforce, you're supposed to reduce ninety percent of your emissions. So there's absolutely low hanging fruit that you can, I guess, make use of, like large supplier spend could you move to a supplier that's more ethically responsible and maybe carbon neutral that would reduce your spend immediately on offsets or carbon cost of carbon carbon. the other one is fairly obvious in renewable energy and travel and creating travel policies so there's there are immediate things and it really depends how hard a company goes at actually actioning and implementing some of those initiatives We've had clients now with a couple of years behind them with us, and we are seeing reduction in personal footprint. I will caveat that the last few years have not been normal (laughs) or linear in behavioural patterns with COVID, and the same applies to businesses. So it's incredibly difficult to actually map that without a pandemic. (laughs) Um, But we are looking at those things at an aggregate level and like how will they map over time? Um, I don't think anyone's got to net zero yet. So this is a live problem that the world is trying to solve. And we're keeping our fingers on the pulse with that and how we can help SMEs get there um, as quickly as possible. Well, what would be, I mean, if you had to give three three tips right now to reduce, reduce your footprint, what would they be? As an individual? As an individual, yeah. Individual, uh, move to renewable energy or get solar or something like that to compensate for your energy. Um, Travel, always a big one. So moving to an electric vehicle or driving less, flying less, flying being the biggest lever probably Mm -hmm. if you fly a lot. And I would say the, the last one would be where your money is. So big ticket items would be the bank that you are with, where your pension is held, Unless you've actively put it into an ethical fund, you're probably investing in coal. Oh, really? Interesting. Unfortunately so. Um, I have a friend who's working on that problem specifically for individuals. And if you're interested in understanding the footprint of your finances and things, I can certainly send you a link. It's interesting. Yeah, I think do that because I think it's something that we don't, it's not front of mind. We we all talk about it, and and we and some of those things you mentioned, you know, going solar and all that. People are you know either doing already or thinking about wherever it is. But yeah. I think you know little changes often easier than big changes. And just knowing what your exposure is, you will naturally if once you're aware of it, you'll naturally go, oh, well, I'm doing this. I really need to do something about it. But until you can find yeah. what the exposure is, you won't do anything. Um, yeah. The other question I wanted to come back to, which is. I mean, I mean, what got you into this? How how did you start this platform, or, or what, what's your story to get to this? Yeah, so well, I started my career in the first renewable retail energy supplier in the UK, 
um i've moved to to sydney more recently um or not that recently but um i was started my career in the uk um yeah so i worked through sustainability and product um in the renewable energy industry and have a background in engineering and how we would meet the climate change goals with electric vehicles and the rollout of electrical vehicles along across the uk um and then I guess the last four or five years for me have been spent in product and kind of tech businesses. And I wanted to marry the two together um, and work back in the impact space. So uh, my co-founder and I have been friends for five years and we upped sticks in our corporate jobs and went to an accelerator program and were funded at the end of it. Um, and that was a few years back. And we've had kind of a, a few rounds of funding since. Okay. And and how does, so, so an SME comes to you to go on your platform, do they pay to be on your platform or does someone, is is it part of your carbon exchange? Do you make a fee? I mean, how do you commercialize this product? Yeah. Um, two forms of, uh, I guess, payment. Uh, we have a membership fee for the platform itself, which allows you to kind of input, store your data and analyze your carbon footprint. And it includes a carbon footprint assessment every year. Yeah. Um, the second is through the offsetting. We we take a really small risk-based fee on the offsetting um, per ton because it is a live market and we need to protect ourselves from price changes as well. Yeah. Um, so there's those two fee structures. And there's varying, I guess, membership fee um, available depending on the size and complexity of what you want to be doing. I'm not curious, if someone wanted to sell carbons to you, could they do that? Interesting question. Yes, they could. We do procure carbon credits. So in yeah. effect, in, it's just the way it's phrased. It's like an interesting one. So, yes, we do buy carbon and we tend to, we buy it through certified verification bodies and procurement partners that we work with so that we know where that you know carbon has come from and can yeah. audit that through to its source. Um, does that answer your question or like what did you mean by that question yeah so, so what i was thinking about is um if you got to, if, okay let, let me let me use another another analogy maybe this will make it simpler so right now if i have an and i'll use south africa as an example more than the uk yeah um so the south africa has for a very long time um only had one energy provider which is escom yeah and escom is for and if you can go read this, it's all over the place, it's corrupt, it's falling apart, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So recently, um, the government has opened that up. They've, they've said now that anyone can provide energy and they can provide energy back into the grid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that providing, and, and for, for, for a lot of South Africans with the means, they've gone off the grid, they've gone and bought big solar units, inverters, the whole works, and they've, you know, they've spent the money and they're off the grid. Sure. But now there's, they have this opportunity to feed back into the grid and if in effect get paid by ESCOM to provide their units. Now, the, what they get paid per unit for what they put back in versus what they'd be charged is a very lopsided structure. Um, so you might pay, you might be paying one dollar a unit, but you might get back ten uh-huh. cents for your for your unit going back into the grid. Sure. If, if you understand what I mean. Now the UK used to do that, and you would pay yeah. whatever it was for you to use a unit and then if you had surplus and, and you went back into the, the grid you, you might find, yeah you might get 3p or 1p for for every pound 
Um, yeah. But it, but it never really worked, uh, at least in my experience. Well, so what I was thinking with the carbon is, so let's say you get to net zero doing whatever you do, but now you have a surplus every year. So now you've gone from, from say, owing 500 a year because you're over, and now you plus 100. Ah, uh, okay. Like selling other people's reduction. Could you trade your 100 back into the into the marketplace? Because um, that might help you fund your, your ongoing strategy in a way. Yeah, interesting. I'm going to say there's probably merit in exploring the idea or um, there's actually been something in the news this week about this as well, which was interesting. Um about Australia compensating large businesses for going under under a uh, defined baseline of emissions, but that yep. baseline isn't net zero. So you're basically then saying it's okay to not be net zero. You can be up here instead, and you'll be rewarded for it. Mm. Um, and so I can see your point for net zero, but until you've reached net zero, you're then incentivizing someone to sell rather than reduce more, potentially. Well, um, well I mean, I think to I your know, point... It's interesting. To, to your point earlier, I think the, 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 the ability to reach, reach net zero may never be achievable, or the cost of reaching net zero may, may bankrupt the business. So if you get to, you know, 95% of net zero... And the cost of going the last 5% is more than the business is worth. You might start selling your surplus off um, to inch closer and closer to as you as you tend to 100%, at least as a way to, yeah. to not lose the, to lose the surplus. I couldn't, I couldn't answer the question factually. Gut tells me that with the modeling that we've seen so far, there's generally a cost debatement curve with offsets actually becoming a more expensive way to get to net zero than reduction. And over time, as technology um, gets better and there is more availability of resources and innovative solutions for us, it's going to be cheaper for a company to actually reduce than offset. Hence why it's then a stick to, to move to reduction rather than to pay your way out with offsets, which are definitely not a final solution. They're a, a sure. means to promoting the right action. <laughs> No, I, 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 the right action. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I just I just wonder if that's not gonna that's not yeah, gonna, that's gonna work. Yeah, because generally the offsets today have been um audited or certified by an external body that that ton of carbon has been reduced or removed elsewhere and um have had a price put on it that then gets changed by the market and it's and it's dynamic. But it would be challenging for us to audit that reduction from the company, mm. you know, at that micro scale to then allow us to be able to go, this is a really valid form of credit to somebody yeah. else. Yeah, I think that's the bit that would be most challenging in that chain of events. But it's interesting because you could see with tokenization or things like that, that you could trade um, value in that sense. Yeah, well, if, if if go back to my energy ex example, so so if you've got a, a a if you know well, maybe combining the two of these, if you know what your household emissions are, and you've got and you've done the, the and you've used energy as your way of of building up your um 
well, that's your way of funding yeah. your getting out of out of carbon um, exposure, and you get to a point that actually you've you're now on the upside, and you're not travelling overseas, and and you've and you've seen these credits every year. You might be able to use your carbon excess to to um, sell on the market to to pay for your holiday, let's say, um, yeah. as a as a as a single household, and you've got because if you do it at that level, then you've got you know a lot uh, you know you'll build pockets of of impact. Um, now the companies will yeah. still do it, but it's just something I was thinking about. I mean, it's obviously not a well thought out strategy, but it, it to me almost makes no, sense. it's interesting. Yeah, you could see how it could be applicable, particularly in a more like token in gaming sort of context as well to reward staff even for behaviors in an organization or that kind of thing like on that scale you could certainly see it yeah working well exactly i mean if you know i've just just worked with a company now where, where certain people fly all the time just to do facetime and and i and i kind of get why they want to do it but i also think but it's you know we've spent two years locked up why you don't need to fly no, you don't need you don't need to. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> I know. I get why as well. There's nothing like an in-person meeting, but yeah. Yeah. That's um, hard, isn't it? And this sustainability thing has come up in, in various forums that I'm involved in a lot lately. And I can honestly tell you that most of the projects I've worked on, we've never even thought about. Um, it's never been a factor to say, oh, well, we're going to put all these these virtual machines in a data center. No one's cared about because because that's almost the that's the other side of the business is caring about that part. You know, we're yes. we're just going to sign the deal with Microsoft or, or Amazon or whoever it is, and they need to make sure that they are carbon neutral and, and will do, you know, whatever organization will do our own thing as well. But but the, but the technology guys are just delivering a service to to, to the business. Um, mm. But but now what's coming up in conversation with a lot of technology leaders is well. We can't expect the rest of the business just to do that. We actually need to, as part of and some of the things you said, we need to pick the vendors. We need to um, look at how we're going to build things. You know, is there a way? And, and there was actually, I saw something on LinkedIn yesterday, which was quite interesting, that at, even at a programming language level, certain languages are more sustainable than others. Um, and those are the, the ones that are more sustainable are the, are the ones that are more, I want to say, technically deep. So C++, that sort of level, like really hardcore, low-level languages. And the ones that are the most uh, unsustainable are the more abstracted ones, which are the actually, and ironically, it's the, and, and it's this inverse popularity thing. So, so like Python and Ruby and, and all those are really on the, on the wrong side of the scale versus the more hardcore. And I think that's because in order to make the, the programming languages easier to do or easier to, to leverage to, to build things faster, there's a lot of things that had to be abstracted to to do that, and that's created this. Now, I, I don't have you know to your point about models. I don't know if you were to go and say, well, this application is built in Python, this application is built in C The Python one costs you, you know, four credits more a year than the one written in in C I don't know if it, I don't know if you really could say that, because um, I think it's I think it's more complicated there. But that, and that's why I was curious about the data piece as well because at some point it's you're making generalizations around your data you know your energy bill your your transport bill whatever it is but at some point we could actually get to the granularity of saying well this server runs this much power utilization and and, and the previous company i was with we did we had this data we could tell you we actually did a, a green it um solution that was that was calculating you know 
what your desktops were going to cost you from a CO2 mm-hmm. um, financial and uh, I can't remember what the third one was, um, in order to give the company some indication on that. Um, and, yes. that's, and that's where this, this podcast ties in, is to try and bring all these things to the, to the forefront that's cool. of people's minds. So if people want to get in contact with you, how would they do that? Please go to our-trace.com or shoot me an email on hello at our-trace.com or add me on LinkedIn, Joanna Auburn, message me directly. We'll be doing a webinar soon with Runway East co-working space in London um, and one of our clients, Finder, um, as a case study to show how they have measured and are now managing their emissions um, using our platform. They also engaged all their staff in the process as well. So it's a really cool kind of overview of how it all works together and their CSR manager will be joining us for the webinar. Lovely. Thanks, Joanna. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Heather producer and editor. Thank you, Heather, for your hard work on this episode. Please subscribe to the series and rate us on iTunes or the Google Play Store. Follow us on Twitter at the DWW Podcast. The show notes and transcripts will be available on the website, www.digitalworkspace.works. Please also visit our website, www.digitalworkspace.works, and subscribe to our newsletter. And lastly, if you found this episode useful, please share with your friends or colleagues.